2: Coming up on Chopper's Politics.
3: You have to think there's a natural order in things, and sooner or later the opposition does have to form the government. And if you've made a complete horlicks of things, that it may be that, you know, it's just Labour's turn, don't you think?
1: Hello, I'm Christopher Hope, the Telegraph's Associate Editor for Politics, and welcome to Chopper's Politics podcast. Now, two weeks ago, Suella Braverman, the Home Secretary, came on this podcast and said this.
0: Ultimately, I'm very disappointed that members of our own parliamentary party uh, staged a coup, effectively, and undermined the authority of the Prime Minister um, in an unprofessional way. We are one party.
1: Now, at the time, Sweller-Braven's comment about a coup underway against Liz Truss seemed, well, fanciful to a lot of observers. Now, two weeks later... They're not laughing because as we speak, Liz Truss is fighting for both her political credibility and perhaps more significantly, her right to stay on as Prime Minister in 10 Downing Street. Now, since our last episode recorded last Thursday in the Red Lion Pub, we have gained our fourth Chancellor of 2022. And so far today, Monday, Jeremy Hunt has taken a blowtorch to the mini budget announced by his predecessor, Kwasi Kwarteng, back in September. We will reverse almost all the tax measures announced in the growth plan three weeks ago that have not started parliamentary legislation. We will no longer be proceeding with the cuts to dividend tax rates, the reversal of off-payroll working reforms introduced in 2017 and 2021, the new VAT-free shopping scheme for non-UK visitors... It was brutal and it was short. And that may be the conclusion of Liz Truss's premiership. With me now on another extraordinary day in Westminster is Ben Riley Smith, Telegraph's political editor, and Tony Diver, our Whitehall correspondent. Welcome both to the podcast.
0: Hello. Great to be here.
1: Right, so it's Monday, it's lunchtime. We're about to see what Jeremy Hunt will announce to the House of Commons this afternoon. Tony Diver, what has happened so far today?
0: Well, Jeremy Hunt went out this morning and basically announced that everything, all the tax-cutting measures that Liz Truss promised during the Tory leadership contest have been scrapped. We already know the top rate of tax, the 45p rate, was gone while Kwasi Kwarteng was still the Chancellor. But he's come out this morning and got rid of a load more of them. But not all, because the ones which he
1: announced and have been implemented already, like stamp duty and national insurance because of Parliament, are going ahead, aren't they?
0: That's right. But
1: everything else has gone. and In fact, the very point of voting for Liz Truss, which is tax cuts, has disappeared.
0: That's right. And the main uh, news, I suspect, for Liz will be that the two-year guaranteed energy price cap, which was announced by Liz Truss shortly after she took over as Prime Minister, has now been sort of truncated and it will finish in April, where at a point there will be a review. So Jeremy Hunt clearly here trying to stop the government spending so much money. He's also said that there's going to be more cuts in government departments, the planned freezing of alcohol duty that was going to go ahead, that scrapped as well, VAT for tourists, that's back as it was before. So all of these sort of tax-cutting measures now, now basically, basically... Saving how abandoned. much then,
1: crucially... Plugging the black hole to what extent?
0: Well, he says it will save £32 billion, right. um but he also said that that wouldn't be enough to fill the black hole in the public finances. Now, we know the government was already planning to borrow £72 billion to fund these unfunded tax cuts and various other measures that they're doing. So what he was saying this morning is basically, although I'm scrapping all of these tax cuts that people voted for, Tory members certainly voted for, uh, there will also be more savings to come and government departments are going to have to find those.
1: Right, Ben Smith. what does this mean for politics? Is it the case that... Jeremy Hunt has removed the single reason to vote Tory at the next election.
2: Well, that's what the rebels are saying. What does it mean? Well, trustonomics is dead, dead and buried. The anti-growth coalition, if not won, are certainly winning. And questions and plotting about the Prime Minister's future are intensifying. This trust had a pretty clear pitch during the summer Tory leadership campaign that it was worth borrowing a bit more to fund tax cuts because we needed to kickstart growth. Jeremy Hunt has come in and totally ripped that up. He said, no, we're not going to borrow to fund tax cuts. We're not even sure now if they're sticking to the 2.5% growth agenda. And what a lot of Tory MP critics will say is the main thrust of Liz Truss's campaign is gone. But all the bad bits, she never said she was a great communicator, remain. So why are we keeping her in place? And that is what Tory MPs today and all this week will be debating. But Tony Diver is even worse than
1: Ben says because Jeremy Hunt has gone further than even Rishi Sunak had gone because Sunak said that the one P would come off the basic rate in April 24, and that's gone. So you've got you've now put the party back into place that's even less good at tax cutting than if Rishi Sunak could become Prime Minister.
0: Yeah, that's right. Rishi Sunak said that in the law, what we expected to be the last year of this Parliament, 2024, the income tax rate will be cut to 19p. Jeremy Hunt now says for the foreseeable future, in it, it, there's no, now no plans to cut the, the basic rate of income tax. And, you know, that will cost people money every single month. That's something that voters are going to notice. And I actually bumped into a prominent Tory figure on my, on my way here, on the way out of Parliament, who said... The thing is, if we wanted Rishi Sunak's policies, (laughs) then we would have voted for Rishi Sunak. And now what we've got is Rishi Sunak's policies, but we've got Liz Truss as prime minister, who's sort of like the worst of both worlds. Um, and that, that person reckoned that although MPs may have planned to give her until the 31st of October before they moved against her, this morning means they may just do it straight away.
1: But Ben Ryan and smith haven't uh, MPs got the leader they wanted? Because Rishi Sunak came out first, didn't he, in all of the five rounds of, um, of leadership campaigning on all, all the votes through, through that internal uh, contest in July. So MPs have got the leader they wanted, really, someone who's a bit like Rishi Sunak.
2: No, they haven't. The leader they wanted was Rishi Sunak, that's why he came (laughs) top Sorry, Jeremy Hunt did stand and was rejected at the first round. That's right, 18 votes. I think he didn't even get the 30 that were needed for the first ballot. Launched on Saturday, out by Wednesday. It's a five-day campaign. But yeah, I mean, Rishi Sunak did clearly come first in the MPs' ballot. He didn't win a majority of the votes, but he won that stage and and then Liz Truss uh, ran away with it in the members. I mean, the big question now is, you know, it's, it's remarkable that we might have a fifth Tory PM in well, in five years. Well, can on,
1: we're going to come on to that in, in a minute, okay. not, not just yet. But it, it is remarkable, isn't it, Ben Riley smith that, that the best you can say of Liz Truss right now is that she resides in 10 Downing Street. It's almost unfair to call her Prime Minister.
2: Well, t- to put forward the case for the defence for a bit, because we haven't done that, Downing Street would say, listen... We went with a mini budget. We absolutely believed in that. We overcooked it and the markets reacted. We've listened. We've understood that. We've brought in a serious figure as Chancellor who reflects the party more and also can reassure markets and put a, put a big focus on fiscal discipline. She's understood that she put her foot wrong and she's trying to fix it. That's their case. They're saying, give us until the end of the month when we set out our new plan and give us a bit of time to see if the markets are stabilising. As of noon on Monday, They appear to be relatively stable. So that's the argument they're putting forward.
1: Tony Diver, do you buy that? I mean, Ben's very eloquently, perhaps more eloquently than I think number 10 might do, set the case for the defence here. But it's very hard, isn't it, to play these intellectual games with taxation and spend when you are literally threatening people's homes because mortgage rates have gone up more than they expected because of the concern about the economy.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I think the financial impact of what's going on at the moment will be noticed by voters um, every month when they when they receive their pay packet. When and they'll they, when blame they this? They'll blame bills. the guys in, in, in number 10? I think 11? the problem that she's got is, if you look at the same problem that we had with Boris earlier this year, the problem, he had been in government for a long time. He was a well-known figure. He'd been mayor of London. Voters knew who he was. They, they To some extent, they trusted him. And then these sort of various scandals hit and and ultimately they were able to overthrow him. But the problem is Liz Truss has only just started. Voters don't know her that well. Maybe they remember her as foreign secretary. Maybe they remember her in various other jobs. But her, her reputation is sort of not as good as his was at that point. So I think the problem is voters will start seeing that impact, they will then look in Downing Street and say, well, it was about the time that the Prime Minister changed that these problems started so am I going to vote for the Tories again? It Probably
1: is not. ironic, isn't it, Ben smith that um, Jeremy Hunt has, has removed the single attack line which Liz Truss had on Keir Starmer last week's Prime Minister's questions, which was that Labour wouldn't guarantee protection for bills for two years, only six months
2: and now Hunt's gone back to where Labour is. There's, uh, there's nowhere to go. Absolutely. I mean, for two or three weeks they don't want to talk about tax cuts. They've only talked about the end- energy freeze because they could see that was popular households were protected for two years so they kept on banging the drum that look Labour you just want to save it for six months we're going to freeze energy bills for two years and that is gone Jeremy Hunt says today we'll freeze it until April 2023 then let's see so it's back to Labour's household energy bills freeze policy.
0: Tony
1: Diver who's in charge of
0: the government? Well, this is the idea, isn't it, that Jeremy Hunt is the one really running the show now. Now, Jeremy Hunt has actually gone into a meeting with Tory backbenchers, we understand, in the last half an hour or so. So we're talking, this, this, this recording is at 1pm, one, 1 p.m., so... So, 12.30 MPs were summoned to a committee room in Parliament where basically he was going on a hard sell to trying to convince MPs that they should back this, and that they should back the government, and they should back Liz Truss, and from what we understand has gone on in that meeting he said, look, we, Liz Truss is owning what's going on here. She is the one who's doing the listening, she is the one doing the changing of policy. It's not me, sort of operating her like a like a puppet behind the behind the scenes.
1: Will we hear an apology from Liz Truss at any point in the next few weeks, Ben Whiteley Smith? And is that necessary?
2: Well, that was put directly to the prime minister in her press conference by, by you, indeed. Uh, I said, "Why do you think uh, you should still stay in post? Can you explain it to voters?" But Robert Peston actually said, "Will you say sorry?"
1: Minister, The uh, former Tory Chancellor, Philip Hammond, has just said that you have totally trashed the Tory party's election-winning reputation for economic competence. Will you apologise to your party? Well, I am determined to deliver on what I set out when I campaigned to be party leader
2: She um, didn't say so in as many terms, but to be fair to her, she did stand up and said, listen, I got something wrong. We went too far and too fast with the mini budget.
1: And it was right in the national interest that I made the decisions I've made today to restore that economic stability.
2: But I'm not sure the words I'm sorry will necessarily appear on the Prime Minister's lips that's probably one of the questions she'll keep going Do you think like I do Tony Diver this is like the more of a Wise sketch it, it was all the
1: right notes but not necessarily in the right order for a lot of the right I mean what she offered up um, her and Kwasi on, on in September was was a, um, a far-reaching attempt to get the economy growing, but it just was too much too quickly.
0: Yeah, well, a lot of these people that we speak to say, in principle, there's nothing wrong with this level of tax cut. That's that's not the issue. The issue is you don't start what is undeniably a pretty serious experiment with economic policy at a time when the markets are already fragile and when you know the, the economy is facing global challenges from the war in Ukraine. Um, so, yes, I mean, even those MPs who ideologically are aligned with this sort of policy do say you've got to question the timing.
1: Now, as we're recording this, a fourth Tory MP has said that Liz Truss should stand down, Angela Richardson, who represents Leafy Guildford, the heart of, um, of the, of the historical heart of the, of the party, certainly. We're going to now turn to what is next for Liz Truss. And before we came to this, in, this interview, I spoke to George Trefgan, who's been a member off and on for 20 years. He voted... Liz Truss in the leadership campaign but he has said to us that he does not want to have a vote if there's a leadership election while the Tories are in government let's hear what you he had to say George Trefgan welcome to Choppers Politics you're an old friend of mine from The Telegraph when you used to work here indeed welcome you've done an interesting tweet over the weekend you said you're a Tory party member and you've written to Sir Graham Brady the 1922 chairman to say you don't want a vote in who should replace Liz Truss why is that
3: well, I feel strongly that when it comes to choosing a prime minister in office is that it shouldn't be up to party members of any political party to do that. That's, and the reason is it takes too long. That's one problem. And the second thing is that it's something that affects the whole country. And really, it's not quite right for a minority of citizens to have a choice over who the prime minister should be. It should really be for the House of Commons. That's the established constitutional process, is that the person must have a majority in the House of Commons, and so therefore MPs should really choose the next prime minister that they can do in a speedy way. And what obviously the risk is, as we've seen with Liz Truss, is is that she did have support amongst party members. Lots of very good people voted for her for very good reasons, but she didn't actually have the full confidence of MPs, and now it's all gone wrong.
1: Quite right. I, I, and need to ask you, how long have you been a member for? On and off, about 25 years. And do you think your, your feeling is felt by other members? Because I, I guess... Definitely. I'm, I definitely
3: know you? lots of people who... Re- and also I've seen photos on Twitter of people cutting up their cards saying they won't vote. And I've also just anecdotally spoken to friends and stuff saying that they don't think it's right that, that, that we, we should have a vote. How widespread that is, I couldn't say. Because obviously you have to survey members to work these things out. But I'm a bit suspicious of surveys of members. It, it's, it's not a big enough number of people to really survey accurately.
1: Do you think here that it's the Tory members like your holding your hands up and saying almost sorry to the country for selecting such an apparently disastrous prime minister?
3: Uh, well, I don't. I'm not going to apologise. <laughs> who did you do for, you do thing, George? Um, I'd rather not say, if you don't mind, because it's too <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> but I would say, look, I, look, I'll be honest with you, I voted for Liz Truss because uh, I thought she was going to reverse the corporation tax rise, which I don't support. Um, and then uh, reversed the national insurance right and sort of leave it at that. But she went far faster with a far a far larger fiscal stimulus than was responsible. Didn't seem to listen to anybody. And she didn't want to have OBR forecasts to check her numbers. But she didn't have any others either. I would have thought they would have published Treasury ones alongside. She didn't seem to listen to anybody, to be honest with you. And even. Kwasi Kwarteng is sort of uh, distancing himself slightly from the situation. So uh, I think she just wasn't very well advised or didn't listen to the advice and then just frankly sort of took on all the institutions at once and made a mess of it.
1: If not Liz Truss, who should replace her? George Trefgan.
3: Well, I, I think I should say it's a matter for MPs and only they can properly assess it. I, I'm very suspicious of an acclamation. I mean, Chris, you're a political editor. You'll understand that. People love to talk about that sort of thing. But how do you do that in practice? How do you have an acclamation? There'll have to be some sort of contest that
1: only members of Parliament vote in. Um, that's the only way to do it. And how will members... Th- I mean, not not your mates may be saying, no, blessedly, you stand aside, but how will volunteers who feel they've got to have a stake in who the leader is to fight for them and to work for them at the next election on a voluntary basis, not paid... How will they have any say in this? They might feel as though they're being you well, know, used by the party.
3: I think they might well do, to be honest with you. I think, first of all, they should. Have, if we if were in opposition, then it's fine having party members choosing the lead. I think that's absolutely fine. But I don't think there's time to amend the party constitution. So what will have to happen is, is MPs will have to effectively run a process that results in only one person winning. And then they can say to members, well, there's no point in having a vote, which is what happened when Michael Howard was chosen. As leader and i think most people would wear that there'd be some disquiet though entirely understandably because people would feel conned they, you know but they've they've up the 25 pounds a year they have bought the raffle tickets etc and then the one benefit they really get from being a member would have been denied them and who would be
1: your candidate
3: i honestly don't want to say because first of all i don't know and secondly i don't think it's up to people like me i think that we should I mean, what I think is, is that Rishi Sunat's got all the skills and he's a very talented guy, but I think he's quite young. And that Jeremy Hunt is, you know, plainly a safe pair of hands. I mean, people have always dismissed him as a slightly boring accountant type, but I mean, that's a bit of a relief in these circumstances, isn't it?
1: Is it over for the Tories at the next election, George Ravgan?
3: Look, if you, st- if you think as a conservative person with a small C as well as a big C, you have to think there's a natural order in things. And sooner or later, the opposition does have to form the government. And if you've made a complete horlicks of things, that it may be that, you know, it's just Labour's turn, don't you think? I mean, sorry to sound fatalistic, but Conservatives are should be a bit the toys, fatalistic.
1: the Toys are rubbish in opposition.
3: They're not very good in opposition. And, and they should, Conservatism, Liberal Conservatism is a good philosophy
1: in life. But the thing is, is that, that we have made a mess of things, if we're honest. So we're back in the studio now with Ben Riley smith and Tony Diver from Telegraph. Ben, is that even credible, what George Jeff Garn says, that members, other members, including him, may be willing not
2: to have a vote over the next leader if Liz Truss is forced out? Well, it's certainly credible that that might be what happens, not necessarily because of what the members think, but because of what MPs think. There is one common consensus when you talk to Tory MP critics, and it's that you can't spend two months, two and a half months having a long leadership campaign if or when Liz Truss falls, that it has to be quick and that ultimately MPs have to decide. But That does effectively mean changing the rules or overriding the rules somehow and saying members, no, you're not going to get the vote like you normally should. But that's not going to go down necessarily as well as it did with George. I'm sure a lot of members will be pretty annoyed. They pay their dues. Mm. These are the rules they should be able to pick.
1: Well, I'm hearing already texts from members who aren't George F. Garner saying they want to say. Tony Diver, is it right that members get a say over the new prime minister or Tory leader if Liz Truss is forced out?
0: Well, there are times when the prime minister changes, conservative prime minister changes without members having a vote, of course. I mean, it's possible for... for a prime minister to choose to stand down and not go through the sort of 1922 route. I think the more important thing here is the sort of overriding politics just wouldn't allow for that to happen. And you know, as Ben says, I don't think the country would forgive. The government for allowing a, a Tory leadership race off that length, given that we have issues g- during the summer, right? When, when you know, energy prices were going up, there was war in Ukraine, and the government was basically in a sort of stasis because it was unable to do anything because of this leadership contest going on. We can't have that again. And the Tories would find themselves out of government is the consensus among MPs that we speak to.
1: Are candidates campaigning are ready to replace this trust, Ben Riley smith
2: I think it's probably safe to assume they are. The degree of campaigning is unclear. Certainly none of them are doing so publicly yet. Do you want to name them now on the podcast? I'm
1: listening to you, and me and Tony. I, mean, I
2: will not name who we think might or might be doing it themselves, but their supporters are clearly touting around names. And it's the obvious list because, surprise, surprise, we had a leadership race just a couple of months ago and those same people are probably quite interested. I mean, the names we are hearing is Rishi Sunak, clearly came second in the leadership race, his whole argument was it's too early to do unfunded tax cuts. He's been cuts. proved
1: right, basically, isn't he?
2: That's what his supporters say, he's been proved right. Um, he has steered the country through a tricky economic times as Chancellor. However, he literally got rejected by Tory members a few weeks ago. Uh, he lost that race against Lystra's. And he is a divisive figure for some. There was a very bruising um, leadership campaign. Two cabinet ministers told me it's the most bruising Tory leadership campaign they've ever been involved in. And a lot of people, Jacob Rees-Mogg, Nadine Dorries, were very critical of Rishi. Penny Morden's another name that's being raised as a possibility. Again, not surprising, she came third, only just got beaten by Liz Truss um, into the final two. Then other candidates you're hearing about names being floated. Ben Wallace, Defence Secretary. He actually didn't run, stayed back from the leadership, only endorsed at the very end, backing Liz Truss when it looked, to be honest, like she was going to win anyway. He is being touted as a possible unity candidate. Plenty of other names. Jeremy Hunt now being a possible one. He's in number uh, number 11. It's a Freudian slip there. (laughs) And and then there's one name who categorically was not going to run last time whose name is being touted, and that is, drumroll... Boris Johnson. (laughs) Of course it is. Nadine Dorries today publicly said, if Liz goes, why don't we have him back?
1: Well, let's come on to Boris Johnson in a second. But it's very hard, isn't it, for Liz Trust now, when all the questions are about a budget that isn't even hers, the policies aren't even hers. I mean, what is the point of Liz Trust, Tony Diver?
0: This is the issue that she faces. And the problem is she will get more and more questions now from opposition MPs and also from some of her own, I suspect, about the idea of her mandate, right? And, and now the mandate for a Tory leader who is elected by Conservative members rather than by the country as a whole at a general election is already feels a bit thinner than, than a prime minister who runs as leader of the party in a general election. But she's got a mandate, which is at least my members voted for this stuff, at least Conservative members voted for it. Now she's doing a load of stuff that she explicitly said she wouldn't do before. So the mandate, mandate feels thinner and thinner. Now what will happen is opposition parties, and they've already started this, will just call for a general election. They will say that the, the programme of policy that you're pursuing does not have support in the country, and if you would like to carry on with it, you need to put it to the country general election and be elected to do it. And and, and that is that is now the big challenge for her, is resisting the rebels but not allowing an election. Ben Well,
2: it's worth saying that call is actually one reason why Number 10 hopes this trust can cling on a bit longer because they are saying no... Tory leader after the Second World War has been changed twice without an election. So rebels, if you really want to get rid of her, they will be in an election by Christmas and the Tories will be wiped out. That's the argument they are putting right it's
1: now. Isn't an easier response here, Tony Diver, is do it like a kind of Dallas. Pretend it's all been a dream. That was a, a famous um, script line in Dallas when Bobby Ewing woke up. And uh, it all past six months of plots had been a dream that Boris Johnson hasn't really been been removed from office and it is still Prime Minister because then you bring back the Prime Minister, the leader who won that massive mandate in 2019, much of it personal about him and his personal magnetism in parts of the country the Tories can't even get near. Forgive Boris and all
0: is forgotten. Tony Diver I'm struggling diver. a bit here Chris we've had Malcolm um, and Wise first and then Dallas and a bit too young for these, <laughs> these references these are all but, 80s uh, yeah, um, themes of phrases. but yes I, I, there is an argument for that and people like Nadine Dorries are, are making it uh, the problem is of course there was a reason why Boris Johnson left Downing Street as Prime Minister right? there were a series of scandals what were they again remind me well we had Partygate we yeah. had, whatever
1: speeding fine tickets next one
0: yeah, well, but yeah, maybe the public will forget that one. Maybe, you know, maybe the, the spectre of lockdown is now too far away. But there were scandals over people he appointed to the government. Yeah, they appointed uh, other ministers
2: too. Uh, Theresa May gave was jobs to losing, losing sixty of his ministers.
1: Yeah, but there's a panic. I mean, I'm, I'm not making a case too much for Boris Johnson. There's, I think this is, the, is that not, not the easiest way of, of appointing somebody without going to the, going to the membership. Ben Riley Smith.
2: Well, I mean, critics would say. That wasn't a dream, that was a living nightmare. For months and months you had this position <laughs> yes. where cabinet ministers were leaving uh, leaving government, people were putting in letters, there was a confidence vote, he survived, but he staggered on. Uh, they determined that he wasn't going to win the next election, so they acted. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't underestimate the amount of criticism that still remains about the former prime minister. And if you want a unity candidate, which is basically what is needed, somehow this trust does for you need someone who can bring the party back together is it the really guy who just split the party and triggered all these no confidence votes and resignations
1: don't you think though, train die the proximity of so many mps losing their livelihoods i mean they're two years away from losing their, their salaries their livelihoods they're affected too by the cost of living crisis caused by their government's policies to some extent don't you think they might put all that to one side and think let's get back this election winner
0: well, yeah, I mean, there's two things to think about there. One of them is, do they still think that he can win a general election? And, you know, the polls were not particularly good even before Boris Johnson left Downing Street, right? There was still... Uh, Labour's been consistently outperforming the Tories for some time now. So it does feel like perhaps the Boris bounce that we had back in 2019 may be over and perhaps that wouldn't work. The second thing to say is a lot of these MPs are now resigned to the fact that they are going to lose their seats. I mean, if you've got a majority of thousand, 1,000 votes, even less than, it now feels very much like you're going to you're going to lose your seat, which means that anything you do between now and the next election doesn't really matter, right? Because if you lose the whip, it doesn't really matter. If if you, if you take on your colleagues, it doesn't really matter. Some of these people become quite dangerous. I think it's worth remembering. I mean, they can do basically whatever they want, because they know they're going to lose anyway.
1: Ben Riley smith what has Keir Starmer done to deserve this political good fortune?
2: Just sat back and enjoyed it. I mean, governments can lose elections. And when the pound drops and interest rates shoot up and mortgage rates shoot up I think the most damning thing for the Tories is they are the party of economic credibility and prudence and seriousness and that has been totally shot in the last six weeks and if you lose that central block of your appeal it's very hard to get re-elected. Finally train diver, an
0: easy
1: one to you on what date will this trust quit as PM? Oh my god Uh,
0: well it's going to be before the end of this month I think let's say, the 21st of October. Four ben, days. Ben Rally smith
2: <laughs> Well, I'm surprised Tony's fallen for that. I never make predictions because they're always wrong. I was listening. Oh. and Tony. Oh. My oh. cop-out oh. will be that I haven't yet to find a Tory MP who thinks she will take them into the next election.
1: For what it's worth, I think, the 5th of May, 2023, the day after the local election campaign.
2: next Summer. There we are.
1: Well, Tony Diver and Ben Riley-Smith, my brilliant political team over in the House of Commons Lobby Office. Thank you for joining us this week on Chopper's Politics.
2: Thank you very much. Thanks, Chris. Thank you again to
1: all my guests this week, George Trefgan and the Targast's very own Ben Riley-Smith and Tony Diver. Thank you to my producer today, Louisa Wells. But most importantly of all, thank you to you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It really helps other people find this show. And I'd be fascinated to know what you think of what our guests have to say on this edition of Chopper's Politics Podcast. Email me, chopperspolitics at telegraph.co.uk or tweet me, we're at chopperspodcast. And with Westminster News changing seemingly every minute why not sign up to my daily Chopper's Politics newsletter to keep on top of what the hell is going on in British politics right now. The link for that is in the show notes to this episode. And remember, if you can, please do buy a copy of the Daily Telegraph. I know you won't regret it. And of course, we're back later this week with our regular edition of Chopper's Politics podcast when, well, who knows who will be the PM. Until next time, though, cheerio!